0: we're back once again with the lakers fast break podcast it's gerald glassford coming right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos inside sports fantasy football and game source we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows and if you get a chance we have a great lineup of shows that have been on the lakers fast break podcast channel Raphael barlow from the nba draft junkies has come on with some great stuff in the past couple weeks Laker Tom from Lakerholics.net has come on with some good stuff as well. Michael Weisenberg from Perspective Insight and The Step In, he's come on with some great stuff. So you got to go ahead and check out all the topics that we talk about from the social issues and everything going on with that and systemic racism to what is the NBA going to do with it as far as how they set up their season and the playoffs and all that, plus mock drafts galore because I did a mock draft. And you can check out that episode, too, right here at the Lakers Fast Break. But speaking of NBA Draft Junkies, if you haven't checked it out already, you are missing quite a bit because, you know, if you're an NBA fan out there, you got to educate yourself because now's the time to check up on all these different prospects that are out there. And one of the best places to go on the interwebs, as they used to say in the old days, well, I'm actually old, so it would have been during my day, but anyways in the interweb is NBA Draft Junkies because you've got so many great things there, not only with his site, NBADraftJunkies.com, also as well, you've got his YouTube page, which has dozens and dozens and dozens of videos that are already made on the current prospects that are out there, and also some mock drafts, which we'll touch on here in a bit. It is the best place to go, and now he's added a podcast that you can check out on all the major podcast apps as well. And what does he call it? Of course, it's NBA Draft Junkies, and here's the man himself, the man behind NBA Draft Junkies, it's Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, always great to have you on, my friend. I hope all is well.
1: All is good. I I enjoy coming on every time, and that's probably what I've been on about 15 times in the last few weeks, so... Anytime you want me on as a guest, I, I, I really enjoy it. And all you have to do is give me the word and I'm here.
0: I appreciate it, my friend. I, I couldn't believe it the other day um, when I looked at the number of Lakers fast break podcasts I've made. And now I'm in the 80s. Uh, and this is something I just started up on a whim outside of the pop culture stuff. And now I'm up into the 80s on that. And it was just like, blowing. We win And I go to my Podbean channel and I'm at 500 there overall within the past three four years so it's just like my gosh what have i done with my life as far as podcasting is concerned so it's just so many out there that i've done in fact going back to 2009 you can add another 152 at 200 something i don't know you the 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 number gets lost in the equation but still i mean if if really shows that if you can go ahead and do something out there podcasting is, is a way to go so many people are getting into it now there's some really good ones like yours that are out there that people need to take a listen to. And, and I hope they do because you, you put some pretty really darn good stuff out there, my friend.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And to make 500 podcasts is, I mean, that's quite a bit. It, it takes some time to get there, but I think the most important thing out of all that is you're doing something that you love. And it's the same for me, like coming on here and talking basketball or, all the hours I spend watching videos, cutting up videos, editing my site. It's something that I love to do. And I feel like your life, it has something to it. It has a lot more value to it when you're doing something that you really enjoy as opposed to spending 40 hours a week doing something that you hate. And I think when you're doing something that you love and you put in the work and the time and the effort that you put into, success will come. And once success comes, you know the big checks are come. So, when you get the the multi-million dollar deal <laughs> for exclusive content from one of these, uh, you know Spotify or or whoever, I I'm just glad to say that I I had a very very small role in that.
0: Oh no no, you had a very big role in that, my friend. If that's the case. They, if Spotify comes running. We're going to see how we can work together on that so you know we can get a nice chunk of change together on that. I'm going to tell you right now because, you know, your stuff is just as good as mine, even better, and people need to take a listen to it and watch it on NBA Draft Chunkies because you put so much time and quality effort into it as well. And like you said, when you really enjoy doing something, I mean, that that's what counts. And, uh, you know, your stuff, like there are people – I mean, you've got uh, – Eleven thousand plus subscribers already to your channel, and that's a that's a credit to you that you've gotten so many and I'm just con- you know happy for your success and and wanting you to go ahead and do even more and do even better because people need to check out your stuff because it's really good it's not just something like again we mocked it, but it's just not some fourteen year old that's out there that unfortunately has a lot more subscribers than me <laughs> that's out there that's that's so successful. This is some really quality stuff that people really need to take a listen or a watch to.
1: I appreciate every time that you you know, you know, plug me in or you promote my, my content to your followers. So I've seen um, some of the results and I just can't thank you enough.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. I know a lot of people out there are probably vomiting right now. We've been glad to each other pat <laughs> each other on the back. <laughs> Can we get on with the show, Gerald? All right, yes, we're gonna get on with the show. It's going to start like this. We're, we're going to talk about the Western Conference because I don't know if people remember on a show we did a couple of weeks back, I think about three weeks back, we did one on the Eastern Conference and who we liked out of there and out of that scenario coming into a playoff format. But right now, now knowing what we know about how the league is going to be set up for the rest of the NBA season when it comes back in July 31st. I want to hear your thoughts on a Western Conference preview and, I mean, some of the major factors in there. You can even include the teams that are battling for that eighth-place spot, like a Portland, like a Sacramento. I don't know about a San Antonio because LaMarcus Aldridge just uh, reported, or they just reported that LaMarcus Aldridge went into surgery or had a shoulder surgery done in March, which absolutely no one knew and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. So I don't know how much of a factor San Antonio is, but teams like New Orleans, Sacramento, Portland, if they get on a little bit of hot streak, they can make a little bit of noise.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the teams that was impacted the most was Sacramento. They had won seven out of the last ten before the season was canceled, and I know that they have to have you know, just be devastated because they had so much momentum coming in. And now they're probably hoping that they can maintain the momentum because I, I feel like they were a threat to, um, to, you know, be in the playoff picture because it's a three-way tie as far as percentage. I mean, I'm sorry, as far as games behind. Yeah. So they're like the forgotten team everybody's talking about, Portland. And then, you know, that the fans want to see Zion. But Sacramento is is the team that, Everybody just seems to have forgotten about how well they were playing before the season was shut down.
0: And it's something that people need to keep in perspective because they had injuries. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got off to a very poor start. Uh, A lot of people were after them. Uh, And then yet, like you said, in the second half of the season, they or whatever was of the second half of the season, they started to put things together and become much more competitive and there is a very good chance that they're now, you know, provided they're as healthy as any team out there, they can go ahead and make some noise for that eighth spot and get on that little bit of winning streak. People, like you said, are, are talking Portland, they're talking New Orleans, but nobody's talking about Sacramento at this point in time.
1: Yeah, Portland was 4-6 and six in their last ten games. And the Pelicans, everybody talks about how well they were playing and how hot they were, but they were 5-5 five and five in their last ten. And I think the only team in the West that was playing better than Sacramento that were the two teams in L.A. and like the last maybe 10 to 15 games of the season.
0: And let's get into that because I think anybody who is going to challenge for that eighth spot, or even if it ends up still being Memphis, is going to have a tough time getting anywhere past the Lakers or even on the outside chance that the Clippers get that spot. Clippers or the Lakers, I, I don't think they're going to be able to match up. Even a Portland team at full strength is going to match up with either those two teams very well. So at this point in time, you got to think about the other teams in the Western Conference. And one of those teams that I think needs to be discounted, even though I was kind of high on them until I heard about the news, that was Utah. I mean, ever since the coronavirus happened and the fallout between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert... It's not gotten much better. It's actually gotten a lot worse.
1: Yeah, with um, Bogdanovich being out. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people were saying, like, why would he get surgery? But
0: It seemed like weird because that's been an injury that he's played with for a while. mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think they said he first injured in either late December or early January. And, I mean, I'm guessing that he probably thought the season was done. And he, I mean, if Lamarcus had his surgery in March, that he probably may have felt the same way that there's no way that they're going to come back and finish the season. And so I think even if he chose to wait for the quote-unquote off season, then he would have missed the beginning of next season because there's really not going to be an off season, much of an off season, if if the schedule plays out the way that. Um, that we've, we've heard is what we've read in the last few days, even though they said that it likely will change. But if it doesn't, then there's not going to be much of an offseason, even if you lose in the first round of the playoffs.
0: And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I also asked this of Michael Weisenberg of uh, Perspective Insight, and that is that season changeover. Right now the league has tentatively, and that's a very big T in front of it, as a December 1st starting date for next season. I had put it over to closer to Christmas because I thought Christmas was to me a great starting point. But then again, I think it was you that responded back as the Olympics and things of that nature that they would have to time out at this point, it's got to be somewhere in that window between the first and the 25th. That's got to fall under, but I don't think it's going to be closer to the first. I still think it's to be close to the 25th, even though again, you have the Olympics to that the NBA as a whole wants to keep in mind that they want still these players to be a part of, if at all possible.
1: Yeah, I saw a tweet today where the Hawks general manager said that in a call with the league, they said that they may shorten next season. And um, I guess they're choosing to shorten it than have a bunch of four games and five nights or a bunch of back-to-backs. And they're just regular. they just – they seems like they'd rather have a shortened season next year and then get back on their normal regular schedule the year after that because, you know, they, they definitely want the guys to be able to play in the Olympics.
0: It is important, I guess, like I said, for the world audience and the NBA to basically advertise its players on a worldwide format. So I, I, I can understand the importance because when it all comes down to it, my friend, what did we say last time? It's all, always about money.
1: Yeah, it's all about the Benjamins, according to uh, Puff Daddy.
0: <laughs> yes, that's very true. I don't think much more prophetic words have ever been uttered uh, by <laughs> an individual other than that, because he, he was exactly, pardon the pun, on the money with that one. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Think they're going to have at least a little bit better time cooperating with each other than what we're seeing out of major league baseball at the present time because that's just all over the place right now when you're seeing the way that the owners and the players are acting towards each other so i think at least whatever's going to come down to is something that's going to be agreeable to the players and agreeable enough to the to the team owners uh, as far as what they ultimately come out with for a season next year
1: yeah it's interesting that baseball hasn't played a single game so there hasn't been any money generated so they're I don't even know if guys are getting paid I haven't spent much time doing research on it
0: no, so they're still throwing around proposals it went from in the into the hundred teens as far as the first proposal down to the 70s was the second proposal now it's back up into the 80s the baseball players want uh, in the 80s now so we'll see what it comes down to as far as a final resolution on the season but The longer they hold out, the less relevant baseball becomes. And that's a bad thing for a sport that, I don't want to say is dying, but it's slowly losing its momentum with younger fans.
1: Yeah, I agree. When I was young growing up, I followed baseball just as much as I followed basketball. I collected baseball cards and I knew all the prospects. I used to get the Beckett Baseball Card Magazine once a month. And just slowly my interest in baseball just kind of disappeared and I, and I remember the last time i was really really interested in following baseball was 98 and that was the year with uh mcguire and sosa But other than that i haven't really paid too much attention to it
0: and there's an espn 30 for 30 coming out on sunday in regards to the 1998 season between sosa versus mcguire and the love fest that was there and all the things that emanated from that, so to speak. So and I won't go into detail on that. I mean, if you didn't live through that time, it's actually a fun thing to watch. I enjoyed it. I know a lot of other people did as well. But the ramifications on how they did it, what they did and all that, uh, the after effects and what they're thought of at this point in time by the baseball hierarchy is, is a different story. And I'm sure that they're going to cover it there again this on the 30 for 30 on Sunday on ESPN. But Let's get back to the Western Conference, pulling it back into the Western Conference. I know there's a lot of things to talk about. I mean, Utah, like we said, is is definitely at a disadvantage, losing Bogdanovich, and that's something that, that really needs to be focused and addressed on because he was their glue guy. He was a, doing a lot right to make that team go and to make that team tick. I mean, they are up and down all season, but when their ups were up, a lot of it was due because of him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was their big free agent signing, and they, you know, paid him all that money for the playoffs, and it's it's just unfortunate that he won't be able to um, participate with the team in the playoffs. And so they still have – I mean, they'll lose some outside shooting, and, I mean, I guess their hope now is that Mike Conley can regain his shooting form because he's really had – A down year. He he hasn't played as well as that they expected him to. So, hopefully, he can pick up some of the slack for for Utah with uh, Bogdanovich being out.
0: I hope so. I hope so because uh, you know a lot of people were really high up on Mike Conley being that key to what could potentially have become a. In fact, I had them I think at number one or number two on my seating as far as uh, the Western Conference is concerned at the beginning of the year, I thought they were really going to go places as far as being a team to contend for that Western Conference Championship. And unfortunately, it hasn't materialized as well as people have thought. They look like they're the clear second tier, even with Bogdanovich in there, from what they've been playing like. But uh, again, there's more questions about with what's going on with Gobert and Mitchell and that future looking more like Shaq and Kobe and, and not in a good way.
1: I think they'll be able to figure it out because, I, you know, in the beginning, it um, – in the beginning, it, it sounded as if, like, Gobert gave it to Donovan Mitchell, but we really don't know who had it first. No. And by Gobert's name being the first name that was mentioned, it seems like he's the one that carried it and infected everybody. But I think over time, you know, when – I mean, there's over – 100,000 people, unfortunately, who have passed away. And we understand that how anyone can get it by being in close proximity to someone who has it and and not showing symptoms, I think with knowledge, I just don't understand if Mitchell can really hold a grudge against Rudy, especially without knowing who had it first. And so, yeah, I mean, Rudy was immature and, and with the whole thing about touching the mics, but I think over time, and it's it's been like, what, two, three months. And I'm, I'm hoping that by people wanting to just get back on the court and play basketball, that they'll be able to just put those differences to the side.
0: I hope so. I hope so, because it would be great to see them patch things up. But if not, we could see a blow-up after the season, like and, we saw with with Shaq and Kobe.
1: And the New York Knicks, would, <laughs> they would love that just because I think Donovan has ties with CAA and I think Leon Rose. And if if it wasn't Leon, then it was somebody under him who was his agent. He's from the area. And that would, that would probably be their ideal situation.
0: Well, they're not giving up Mitchell. Mitchell wouldn't be the one to go. I could tell you right now, Mitchell would not be the one to go. It's going to be Gobert.
1: Yeah, and – I mean, I think Rudy's in line for, like, well, he was in line for, like, a $200 million contract. The Supermax, yeah. Yeah. And, um, man, it will, it will be tough. But I I wonder if Mitchell would try to force his way. And because he had if, – if he's – I mean, every, I've actually had a chance to meet him. But if his agency is like, look, if you can come to New York and be the star in Madison Avenue and forces his way out – and says he will sign the extension, then I can see him going to New York.
0: I love how the Knicks are getting into this narrative. That's like two episodes in a row. The Knicks are getting into this narrative, right? Like. <laughs> Even when they're not relevant, they are relevant.
1: Yeah, for good and bad reasons. I mean, it, it's easy to, uh, you know, they're like a the punching bag that you can always throw shots at, at New York.
0: Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you before we get into the L.A. Love Fest that's there are two teams in the Western Conference. Well, actually, you can say three uh, with Dallas, but one of the teams I wanted to really focus on and hear your thoughts on is Houston, and the reason why is because I'm hearing more and more input from uh, the experts that are out there that are really starting to get some love towards Houston and their small ball concept after they traded away Clint Capella and just said, you know what, our big guys are P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington, and we're going to run with that. And so I want to hear your thoughts on how far you think Houston can go because some people are really starting to go ahead and read between the tea leaves that Houston could go a long way in the NBA playoffs.
1: And, you know, honestly, I – really enjoyed watching Houston play the last few games after the uh, after the trade deadline. They were fun to watch because they were like baiting teams. And teams would try to pound the ball in the post. And then they just had all these small guards. They were like bees. Just as soon as the ball touched the post, they collapsed. They got out. They ran. They shot a lot of threes. They were fun to watch. And I wonder how the NBA would feel if Houston did go far. Because if Houston goes far, you know, by being a copycat league, (laughs) that may change the league for the next two to three years because teams are going to go even smaller. Like, we've already seen the small ball era, but it would be, like, really, really small ball if Houston has some success. And if they don't get past the second round, then unfortunately I think there's going to be some – some big changes, maybe in the starting football, with Daryl. Yeah, starting with Daryl yeah. Morey. Yeah, so it's it's boomer bust in this in the small ball lineup. But I would like to see them succeed. I know the game against the Lakers showed how scary they can be with their yeah. with their small ball lineup.
0: And I remember that they had just gotten Covington, and uh, they played at a level I think that the Lakers weren't expecting, and really caught them off guard. I don't think they'll be able to do that in a seven-game series against them, personally. I think now once you prepare for Houston, and that's the thing, Once you pre- you're you going to be there in a confined area, and you're going to have lots of time on your hands to do nothing but scout that other team. And with that kind of preparation, I think you can go ahead and defeat a team like Houston. But you're right, if they do go ahead and go a long way and finally get to that magical realm that they've just so narrowly have not been able to get as we've seen their frustrations over the past few years I think they can go a long way and you're right people will be trying to copycat ad nauseum but if it does go in reverse again I think that Daryl Morey is probably the first person out of the door after all the stuff that he's done in the past few months or said personally And then, of course, the changes into that direction, he'll be held the most accountable.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it it seems like the Hong Kong incident was so long ago, even though it was maybe, what, seven, eight months ago. It seems like it was two years ago. And the league ended up losing a significant amount of money regardless. So the money that they lost from the fallout with China is probably very small compared to you know, the whole pandemic thing, which yeah. some people say is still related to China. But I I would like to see the Lakers and the Rockets in a playoff series because it would be very interesting to see the Lakers' rotation because, if I'm not mistaken, Dwight didn't play much that game. Yeah. And the Lakers have – I mean, they, they are the biggest team in the league, in my opinion, and they can just wear you down with bigs. But if, if they play the Rockets, then – Either they're going to dominate by playing the way that they normally play, or they they have to if they end up adjusting to Houston, then who is going to be the big that they choose to roll with? Because I, I can't imagine Dwight and JaVale playing significant minutes if, if they're playing Houston and they have to make an adjustment. So which one do you roll with?
0: Well, I, you would see a heavy dose of Anthony Davis at five, which I know he doesn't love. But it wouldn't be so bad for him because he's not playing against a big on the other side,
1: right? And if you see, and I always felt like no matter what happens, Anthony Davis was going to be the five man in the playoffs and be the five in, in all the closing lineups, which could hurt LA as far as re-signing Dwight or. You know, if, if it's a playoff series and Anthony's playing a lot of minutes after five, Dwight and Javelle could be under 15 minutes a game, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that would uh, – I mean, you know, it's something that could happen. It's, it's professional basketball. You have to be a professional vibe. But imagine playing major minutes all season for the number one seed in the West and then once the playoff starts, you're out the rotation, and it could easily happen if they play the Rockets.
0: I hear you on that, and I think that's something that they need to think about. But with Dwight Howard, I still think he's going to be a hard get for them to retain in the off season, anyways, uh, because he's had a resurgence, so to speak. And I think a lot of teams are going to look for that type of center, at least for you know twenty twenty five minutes a game that they can get out of Dwight Howard. And if they don't pick up James Wiseman in the draft, I could see Golden State uh, trying for him, uh, and you know as a center. For at least to start, you know, as a pick and roll center for them, you know, at this point in time. I think that's something that they would look for. Anybody who's looking for a 20, 25 minute guy, I think that would probably be the best fit for him going forward. It's because I don't think you're going to get him as your backup center once again next year for the Lakers. I think you're pushing your luck there.
1: And I, I can see Dwight going either way because he's made a boatload of money and it's a way for him to kind of. Change his reputation i mean he's he went from one of the most loved players in the nba to all of a sudden he was a journeyman for a few years so i could also see him wanting to stay in la just for some stability and having his name being attached to being a winner again
0: there you go we're gonna
1: get money talks you know we it's all about the benjamins as we said earlier
0: all about the benjamins and you know the team lakers You know, if he doesn't get picked up in this free agent spree that could happen at the end of this month, uh, DeMarcus Cousins could, again, be an option for the Lakers. You know, I've heard that rumor as well. So we'll see how that matches up down the road. But when it comes to other teams in the Western Conference, how viable a chance do you give a team like Dallas, which, you know, has the Luka – Porzingas combo that I like for years down the line. I'm just not sure I like it so much as well in this type of format in this playoff run.
1: Well, I think the first part is getting those guys back to the States. I think they're both in they're both in Europe right now. And if if the teams are having small workouts, those guys aren't a part of the workouts. And then I just think because they're so they're so young, and they don't have any playoff experience. I think this year would definitely be like a learning, learning experience for them. Um, right now, they're seventh, and if the season ended today and the playoffs started tomorrow, they'd face the Clippers, and that's one of the teams they've really struggled with this year. I know Luca's probably played his worst basketball games this season against the Clippers, which is understandable because they can throw Kawhi at him, they can throw Paul George at him, they can put Pat Beverly on him and kind of frustrate him. And then Porzingis, he kind of struggled a little bit earlier in the season, but I felt like he was starting to find his niche when uh, Luca came, when Luca was out. He started playing well. I think Porzingis at the five is the Mavs' best lineup, and I feel like they can give teams some, some issues there. But I think Denver would be a better matchup for them. I think Clippers would give them... A lot of troubles, and then um, if they if they go to six, they could end up with like a Utah, Oklahoma City, or maybe a Houston. Then I I think they have a shot there, but I I feel like they need to really move up and play well in this this bubble league and get out the the seventh spot.
0: I like that. <laughs> That's what they call it now, the bubble league.
1: The bubble league.
0: The bubble league. The bubble league. <laughs> the reason why i'm laughing so much is because there's certain individuals that don't want to say the word bubble because of there's so you know in, in our society if you say one thing now there's so many bad connotations by it so you know you can't say the word bubble but in essence it is a bubble so yeah
1: i mean i i think they should mark it as the bubble league bubble league champions
0: the national bubble league, <laughs> the national bubble association there you go I mean, I was just talking to Laker Tom, and just before we head to the other uh, teams in the equation, the Western Conference, I was talking to Laker Tom from LakerHolics.net about this. I know that someone is going out there is going to try and put an asterisk on whoever ends up ultimately being the the uh, NBA champion. I don't think they should because the circumstances in this season are much more difficult than any other season. And I pointed out to the Lakers in particular, because yes, I, I do host the Lakers Fast Break podcast, but the team itself has been through so many ups and downs on a personal and team level that I think if they win, or for that matter, any other team wins in the, the world championship, I really think not only do you not give an asterisk, you might actually give them kudos for winning in a situation that has never been presented before.
1: Yeah, I think it's tougher. I, I'm not a big fan of asterisks. I mean, like, I hear people say, oh, the San Antonio Spurs is an asterisk for their 99 championship, but I'm, my question is, well, what advantages did they have that the other teams didn't? And so, and even in this situation, I feel like the playing field is, as of right now, it's even. Everybody has had the same issues. Everybody's been off for months, and everybody's Adjusting to their surroundings, there's no home court advantage. So, if anything, like you said, I think it may be harder to win this season. Um, I did read just right before I came on that if the league is not going to penalize any players if they decide not to play in the the bubble league, so that was kind of fresh off the the wire from Woj. Now that could lead to some people saying there's an asterisk because you know for instance if someone like LeBron says you know what I don't want to be away from my kids I don't feel safe yada 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 then it changes everything and I don't know if we're going to have a superstar say that because man I imagine a backlash would be pretty tough and letting your teammates down even if they don't feel safe in the environment I just think that the pressure would make them still go forward with it but other than that happening I don't see how any team would have an advantage over another team
0: I agree with you I think outside of that if there's some major players holding out that would be one way you could say it but for the most part if all the major components and the major players are there that make up the 22 teams that are going there then I don't see why you would not give it an asterisk or not think of it any less than any other team because Again, it comes down to the fact you're in a bubble. You don't have a home court advantage anymore. Your home crowd is gone. I don't want to hear what Laker Tom is, you know, hearing on the internet or all these people on the internet. Hey, let's ship the parquet floor from Boston over there. That is garbage. That is absolute <laughs> garbage. I hear that for Staples Center or whatever it is. That I mean, get that out of here. Uh, give that money to the people who lost their jobs. Uh, that go ahead and take care of the Lakers or the Boston Celtics or whoever on any given night in the arenas. I mean, that's what you should do instead if you even thought of that. But this idea that you can give any type of break, when all reality, you can't because you don't have that home court advantage. That's gone. You're now on a neutral court, in a neutral area, in a confined bubble, so to speak. And to me, that's going to be one of the hardest scenarios any NBA team has ever faced.
1: Yeah, you can arguably say this could be the toughest championship because there's... I mean, there's not a, anything in history that we can go back and say, this is, This is similar. Nobody's had to face this. And then I also feel like for the most part, at least that we know of, everybody should come in pretty healthy. There's, there shouldn't be any teams that are bringing players in with nagging injuries. Everybody should be fine. I mean, I guess you can replace the nagging injuries with if players are in shape or not. But that's something that we we won't know until, you know, we, we still have a few, I mean, I guess almost two months before we find out who's who's in shape and who's not. But I feel like these are high class athletes. They can get in shape in a month.
0: I agree with you on that. And obviously, you know, for your training, several high quality athletes over the years, you understand that better than anybody, how fast they can get in shape. And the replacement players, the two-way players, and how they're going to structure that as far as adding on players who either get sick from coronavirus or who get injured and cannot continue or who placing people who might not even show up because of what they fear contracting in this bubble is still yet to be determined 100% how they're going to be able to structure that. So that'll be very interesting. But heading back into our Western Conference one more time, Denver uh, is someone that I thought, with its advantages in the home court, speaking of home court and their altitude, uh, and the fact that they have a very deep team, I thought they were really going to go high as far as an overall regular season record is concerned. And they're still not bad in the number three position right now. But as I look at them, I don't look at them as high as I once did as far as competing for an NBA championship. Am I wrong in that assertion, or is it something that – I need to reconsider or are you of a similar vein as far as Denver at this point in time?
1: You know, I don't know what to, to think about Denver, I guess, because I mean, I, I think Jokic is, is highly respected, but I don't know if he's feared like a LeBron or, a Kawhi or even a James Harden. So I imagine that if there's a, a team that's in the lower seed, if they say, there's a team that is ranked that that would have home court advantage in a normal situation. I think Denver would be the team that they would pick that they feel like they could have a better shot at, at, at a first round upset. But I I heard this morning, I forgot which podcast it was. I was listening to that Jokic is in the best shape of his life.
0: Yeah. He so, didn't go overseas. He stayed here in the States.
1: Yeah. And so if that's the case, then I mean, it, it makes them stronger um, because, you know, if there's a knock on him, they say that he, he's not in the best shape. But I feel like that's usually something that people say at the beginning of the season. He, he seems fine as, as the end of the season. But yeah, I think Denver will be the team that if you're Dallas or Portland or, or Oklahoma City or Houston, I think that's the team that you may want to face in the first round.
0: Couple last points to talk about before we get your picks overall on a Western conference and that is the Oklahoma City. Thunder, I think with them, their future is better than their present, although my gosh, they are maximizing its present at this point in time. Or at least until the coronavirus happens happens. They were maximizing every little ounce of what they could get, but their future looks even brighter.
1: Yeah, they're, I mean, they are the surprise team of the league. If if I were to make a bet and say that the Thunder would have the same record as the Rockets, no, everybody would say, well, the Rockets would have had a terrible season. Someone must have been injured and missed a significant amount of time. But no, just the Thunder have just outplayed teams, and they're just really just killing teams with this small three-guard lineup. I think Chris Paul came into the season with a little extra motivation. A lot of us didn't think that he would be there the whole season. And I I mean, I honestly feel like if he wasn't making a gazillion dollars, he wouldn't be there. But he's bought in and he's, you know, he's leading this team. Schroeder's playing well. And Gidius Alexander is, you know, he, he might be the most improved player in the league.
0: Plus, they have 500 draft picks to look forward to that you and I will probably have to put mock drafts out on over the next 10 years or so. So, that'll be something to uh, look at, and that's why I'm saying their future looks mm-hmm. really, really bright. Uh, I mean, they could really, if they they've done well, and, and obviously they've done well in the draft over the years. I mean, you imagine, I mean, you look at all the players that they drafted, especially in that time frame, what four, five, six-year time frame that they drafted all those quality players to their team. And, yes, they're the team that actually had on the same floor three eventual NBA MVPs. I mean, if if Sam Presti keeps on having that type of batting average, to use the baseball vernacular, I mean, the future does really look bright as far as them becoming an NBA powerhouse.
1: And they still have some assets that they could trade if they decide to move Stephen Adams. I'm sure they can get more Young players are another asset, even though Stephen Adams is actually pretty young. I mean, I forgot that he was like eighteen when he entered the NBA, so he he might not even really be in his prime yet. If he is, he's in the early stages of his prime. They can, if they decide to move Chris Paul, and I think New York Knicks again would be someone that would be interested in CP three, just because of his leadership and his ties to CAA. Then they can probably get some of the Knicks draft picks that they got from Dallas so yeah the Thunder's future is bright but i wonder if they're going to decide to try to win now which i mean then nobody's going to see them as a championship contender but i wonder what they do with Gallinari this off season if they decide to bring him back or if they decide to um let him walk in free agency or or do a uh a sign and trade which i keep forgetting is back he was gone for a few years
0: that is back and we've seen an I have a feeling the sign-and-trade scenario is going to be brought up quite a bit over the next few months, especially because of the way the salary cap is going to be structured in the next two to three years. So I think it's going to become more valuable than ever, and you're going to see teams willing to comply with other teams on sign-and-trade, and you're going to see a lot more of that happen in the coming, I'd say, at least two to three years because of what's happened because of all the stuff gone, that's gone down this year.
1: I agree. And one thing I, I didn't realize that because of everything that's happened, they could actually remove the CBA. They have that option. Yeah. And um, it doesn't sound like they will, but who knows? I mean, things could change because I'm curious to see how, how the revenue for next season is going to be split.
0: It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm curious as well. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Insights Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Insights Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. But before we uh, head on to your final predictions, I mean, obviously it, it, it starts and could stop and could end as far as the Western Conference in L.A. Or I should say in Orlando. <laughs> But the, the, one of the L.A. teams. I mean, the Lakers, obviously, I, I they're my pick. I'm going to stay with them as far as, I think, the in in an environment like this, especially the fact that the Lakers are the best road team in the NBA, I think that suits them. I think people are forgetting and being down upon that. I know the Clippers are, are what I hear, everybody out there on radio, the Clippers in the box, Clippers in the box, Clippers in the box. I understand the Clippers have a loaded team, but – I just think right now when it concerns this type of format, I think that it might suit the Lakers a little bit better. But again, you might disagree on that because you have all those quality players on the Clippers roster.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if it, and I'm, I may sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but if the Clippers and the Lakers meet in the, Western Conference finals, and it's a close game. I could see the call shifting more towards the Lakers because the NBA is going to want ratings. A Giannis and LeBron finals would be, in my opinion, that would be what the NBA would love. I mean, on top of a Lakers, Clippers, Western Conference finals. I, I mean, think the, the best rating... scenario
0: would have been what you had originally said or what we originally were hoping for a 1 to 16 matchup with the mm-hmm. with the Battle for LA. I think that would have been the ultimate ratings get, but you're right. Yeah. Giannis versus uh you know LeBron matchup probably would be right there right not too far behind.
1: Yeah, and the Lakers Clippers even though it's I mean that's a matchup that I feel like all of LA wants to see. I feel like it loses some of its sting by it not being in LA, which yeah. would have benefited the Lakers because it would have had seven home games, <laughs> just with a different floor. As far as predictions, I mean, it is a Lakers podcast, and it's but, a- you know,
0: I <laughs> want you to be honest, man. Don't don't feel like you're shaded just because it's you know, Lake. It's Lakers Fast Break. I, I've had people on this you know show before go ahead and predict other teams. I'm still predicting the Lakers, but I you know, if you don't feel that same way, don't don't feel like you have to.
1: Yeah, I think I think in a seven-game series on a neutral site, I'm going to slightly lean towards the Clippers. I think the Lakers with only – well, I know LeBron and Rondo, when they're on the court together, it doesn't seem like they have the best chemistry, and that's due to Rondo's lack of shooting. I feel like the lack of a playmaker may end up hurting – the lakers a little bit in a, in a deep series and i just feel that the clippers are just deep but it all depends on waiters like we don't know what what um you know with waiters how he's gonna blend in how he's gonna you know come in if he's gonna help the team and and i don't even think they can really start practicing now so there's not going to be a lot of time for him to even come in and build a lot of chemistry with the team i'm saying with um with the Morris twin that's there, but I think that, yeah, I think that in a seven game series, if I had to make a bet on which team that I think would win, I would think, uh, I would think the Clippers.
0: See, I guess that, I just wanted you to be honest, man. Don't, don't feel like, you know, you're, you're hating. You're just showing your opinion right there. It's, it's what it's all about. I believe me, uh, people have come on the show and already said a lot about the Lakers. In fact, the Lakers in the beginning of the season, there was a, a lot of uh, people that were voting against him right on the show. So I understand that. I like I said, for me, I just think it's when it, when it comes down to it, in a seven-game series, I think the duo of LeBron and AD will be more effective than Kawhi and Paul George. I, I really think that that that's going to be the case. But you know, because I think it will ultimately come down to two versus two. I think the the side players, the supporting players are going to have to go ahead and produce. Danny Green is going to have to show up. I think Danny Mm -hmm. Green, the playoff Danny Green, forget about playoff Rondo. I think playoff Danny Green has to show up because he hasn't shown up all season really. They haven't really needed him, mind you. But if he shows up at all and plays like he did last season in the finals, yeah, I think that's a, a really key for the Lakers happening.
1: Well, I think that... I think LeBron and Kawhi could possibly even each other out. I think that Davis would outplay Paul George, but I think after that, Lou Williams is probably going to be better than the Lakers' third best player. And then also, I mean, I think that the Lakers need to play uh, Davis at the five, Kuzma at the four, Braun um, Danny Green, and probably Caldwell Pope. And I, one of the Lakers' biggest biggest advantage has been just how dominant they were on the boards and being able to just play big. And I think that rotation is going to be a lot shorter in the playoffs. And one of the bigs is going to be the odd man out.
0: And that's I don't the know case. if it's Dwight
1: or or, or Javel. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, Javale, throughout his career, you even saw it in Golden State where he gets that, you know, just, uh, what, 15 minutes a game and that's it. And mm-hmm. and that could easily happen again at this point in time, like you said, within a playoff format. But we'll see how it breaks down. Uh, once again, it's Rafael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies. But before we head on out, my friend, I put out this little mock draft thingy here the other day. and uh, I talking to talk- you liked it i appreciate it my friend i i know michael had some kind words as well although he had some of the little questions that you did in regards to tyrese Maxey and a couple others so uh, i'm here for you my friend i want to talk about some of the variances in our mock drafts before we head on out so the floor is yours on on what issues either up or down or differences i don't say issues or i want to say bad or good or whatnot but some of the difference that we have an opinion on uh, currently on some of the draft picks that are out there.
1: Well, I see we both had Wiseman going number one to the Warriors, and um... uh, to
0: me it was a lot closer than I think you had him because I th- I told you up until about two three days left I was I was I was centered on Lamelo, but looking at the bigger picture and seeing I'm going to gamble I just I just wanted to see more of Wiseman. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I think that's what held me back. But ultimately, I think there's too much talent there to give up.
1: Yeah, and if I'm the general manager of Golden State Warriors, I'm trading the pick. Yeah, oh, I would trade it. Yeah, I'm going to trade, do. yeah, trade down, and probably see if I can get into the five or six range and get another player. The Knicks and just take advantage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the Knicks, I don't know which Warrior would. I mean, which Nick the Warriors would be interested in but
0: i, I would take the raw i would take robinson another player and the, and the first round draft pick
1: who i don't know if they give up i mean because they got robinson for a little bit of nothing but i mean maybe even like portis i mean portis i think could end up playing five and and go to stay I, I would and... do
0: robinson I, I would not yeah
1: just he's too young i can't see them giving him up
0: oh, don't
1: say that it's the knicks <laughs> yeah i mean it's the knicks but It's Leon Rose. I'm going to give the the front office, the new front office, the benefit of the doubt. But, yeah, we both had Wiseman, uh, number one. And number two, you had Edwards to uh, Cleveland. And I had uh, Killian Hayes. I think you actually have paired uh, D'Angelo Russell and LaMelo Ball. I thought that was interesting. So I would like to hear. I know you explained it on 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 your page, but I'd like to hear. Your, your I, reasons
0: for that. I think D'Angelo Russell's future is as a shooting guard or as a combo guard where he plays less of the point guard position and more of the off ball. And I think a, a lot of the reason why uh, he has done the way he has, he's so, he's so uneven in his performance is because a lot has a usage. It's just he's having the ball all the time, and I'm not sure that's the best thing for him. I think if he plays more off the ball when I've seen him, on those rare opportunities, he's actually not done too badly. And I think if Lamelo lands there with Minnesota at number three, I think I had it. Um, I really think that it would probably be a great thing for D'Angelo's development as a player to expand because it takes a lot of the pressure off him to have to go ahead and do everything as far as from the backcourt. And I think that would probably be a, a, a better fit than most people would realize.
1: Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. The uh, I guess the biggest, well, I have three. Plus you have a big backcourt.
0: Plus you have yeah. a big backcourt.
1: Yeah, you definitely would have size. And if Melo buys in on the defensive end, I think it makes sense. But if he doesn't care anything about defense, I don't think he he moves the needle much as far as – I mean, you'd, you'd have – The ERA have two guys that really don't care too much about defense. And so – and then if they really don't care too much about defense then how can they push mellow to be a good defender
0: that's true uh, that's that's um, the thing that that's the key because then you have also uh carl anthony towns uh and all the stuff that's going on with there as far as his defense yeah yeah so i mean that that's the that's the pushback i got on it so i hear you on that one
1: so my my first major question mark is okongu to atlanta even though they have capella and john collins what makes you decide that that was the best fit
0: they're moving off of collins
1: and you think okongu can play the four
0: yep i really think he's a good four for them i think if you have i mean again it comes back to defense because we Mm -hmm. talked about minnesota now being like a defensive sieve if they have that scenario possibility or in fact right now they're they're really bad defensively. Atlanta is that bad defensively and you and Very I bad. have seen yeah, I mean, they are bad. I mean, Trey Young, God bless his soul on offense, uh, you know, just so d- dynamic and does so many great things on offense he might just want to stay on the offensive side. You know, when the other team checks the ball in and pass the ball in and just goes, he might just want to stay on that side of the half court on the, you know, on the other side, just wait for them to finish the pass. <laughs> because it, it just, it really gets bad at points when you see them, uh, Atlanta. And I really think in order to make up for that defensive inefficiency in, in his game, you need to have not only one, but two defenders. And I really think it would take athletic defenders that are focused on that to do so and to alternate and swap out and have at least, and it's just also not only the fact that you start the game with both of them, it's just the fact that you have 48 minutes of them, meaning Mm -hmm. one goes out, another one's still there. One goes out, another one's still there of two similar types of pick and roll big men that can really defend. And that's the one thing that I'm looking for is Atlanta needs, you know, if you're going to have Trey young out there, you need, you need, more than what a normal team would on the defensive end to make up for it
1: I' I'd agree hundred percent. I just um, I see you, you're going back to the traditional double big lineup, so which tells me that you're buying um, O'Cgo's potential as a, a floor spacer
0: yeah i, I am I, I see a good stroke for him, mm-hmm. but even you know, he only has to do a little bit of that. And and they have if they find spacers at the two and the three consistently, and maybe a trade with with Collins can do that because I really don't think Collins is going to end up being the answer there. I really think it he needs to be moved uh, because again it comes down to defense and he's not providing enough of it there for them. I think they're go he they are going to try and trade for some assets and if you can find spacing in the two and the three, you can. Actually, field a decent team that's focused on defense enough and you have the spacing there. And all, all you need to do when it comes to a Kong is just have enough in the three point area to just get teams distracted so you can go ahead and keep the floor, floor spaced.
1: All valid. Next, um, so at, at five, you had Killian Hayes to Detroit. I think they're going to fill their need at either the one or the five. Halliburton to the Knicks. That's better than – Knicks fans will like that better than my choice um, <laughs> because I, I didn't have them taking the point guard. Now, Obi Toppin at Chicago. Do you think Markkanen is gone?
0: I think so. It's one of those cases where has potential, but he's injured too often. Mm-hmm. And how much longer can a team wait? So they're going to get either off Zach Levine or they're going to get off Markkanen, I have a feeling.
1: And I feel like Wendell Carter has been injured just as much as Markinon.
0: I think there's or, a or I, close to it. Close to it. I think it's close to it. I think, but I think they might give Wendell Carter a little bit more of a chance. But I also think teams will be more attracted to marketing because of his outside shooting.
1: Yeah, I I can see that. I, I mean, I I would keep marketing if I'm if I'm Chicago. I, I really would keep him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like Wendell Carter has played. In his two seasons, he's com- he's played eighty-seven games combined, and so I don't. I feel like he's kind of getting a, a pass in the, in in the injury reputation. And I know Markin had the what was it like the oblique muscle or, or something like that that really affected his shooting, but a seven-footer that can shoot like that, I'm I'm not giving him up.
0: All right. Well, there you go. I mean, like I said, I, I think he's going to be the more valuable of an asset to trade. I think he's going to get the more calls, let's put it that way, than Wendell Carter Jr.
1: And that's what I was wondering. Like, who, if you trade him and you get assets, like, what do you get for him?
0: Uh, I mean, it's going to be either like a first rounder. I don't know if you can get a first rounder and a player. You're right. That's still a little bit harder. I still think Zach Levine is gone. I think, I think they're going to have to shake up the Chicago Bulls. I think it starts with him first, but then I think that Markkinen is going to get the most calls.
1: I can see that. Charlotte, you had uh, Patrick Williams at number eight. That's the biggest riser. I've seen a lot of draft boards, but I haven't seen him that high. And I know we talked about it briefly on the last episode. And I I like the gutsy call. Like you went totally against the norm. And um, so Patrick Williams at number eight. And and that's his hometown, so I'm sure he would love that.
0: Well, I just see potential there, and mm-hmm. I, he may not. That that's as high as he may go for me. I may he may in subsequent drafts fall a little bit, but not he's not going to fall for me that much. If that's the case, because I just see a lot of potential there. I I see him nudging out Devin Vassell by a little bit. I know Devin. A lot of people are high on Devin Vassell, and I don't have Devin Vassell that far. He's still a lottery choice, I believe, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And I think that of the two, I think because he has a little bit more size, but he has, what I've seen is a, a really good stroke. Mm-hmm. I really, really like his, his form. So I think it's going to translate into play. That's just, I guess I talked to both you and also as well, uh, Michael Weisenberg to me, it's about the form. It's about the whole dynamics, the mechanics, what I see. It's like, okay, after the ball leaves, let me see what he does. Let me see his form. Let me see his follow through. Let me see where his feet are at. Let me see where, you know, everything is before I go ahead and say, I think that's going to translate in the next level. Not just that he's hitting this percentage of free throw shooting. Because uh, and, and, I know that a lot of people, well what we've talked about, that, that, you know, if he's hitting a, a good free throw percentage, that is a decent indicator that, you know, he might become, or this player might become a good shooter in the league even if he's not shooting well now, I also look at the form. I also look at is there a hitch, is there not a hitch, where is the ball leaving, does he have a clear vision of the basket when he's shooting it, and things of that nature. And to me, I, I look at the form just as much as I do the percentages.
1: So you would say Ben Wallace would be a good shooter? Because <laughs> his form looked good. <laughs> I mean, I know he didn't have touch, but you know when he, when he shot, it looked like his elbow was in, he had arc. And he just could not make a free throw to save his life. So, just giving you a hard time on that. Yeah, one. you're
0: giving me a hard time on that. But then again, that might that time you might have to look at the stats. But I, yeah. just to me, it's it's I, like I said, it's an evaluation. When you and I appreciate mm-hmm. all the things that you've done for me and, and all the things you sent me because it's given me a new perspective on the stuff that you sent over. And I look at that and I see again, it's just you know, it's not just what's on paper. It's what you've said before. It's the eye test too. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's uh and you have to trust your your judgment and that's you know, kind of like you got to be a friend of mine told me yesterday we were talking about uh Jemais Ramsey and I was saying like well the numbers look good. He shot 42% from 3. He attempted a significant amount of shots. He did not come into the season with a reputation as being a knockdown shooter. But his free throw percentage is bad. And my friend who's an agent said, well, you have to choose either or. You can't be on the fence. Either you're buying that he's a good shooter or you're saying that this was just a one thing in long term. He's not going to be he's not the sure that his numbers are. And so uh, it kind of made me think. But you have to you know, just go by your judgment. Trust your judgment.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, it's just a lot to think about, but is there any others that you want to go and hit me up on? I mean, I know Tyrese Maxey was somebody that you were kind of like.
1: Nicole Anthony, the the two point guards that were projected lottery and probably in the late lottery on most draft boards. And the the thing I, I like about your draft is you went by, like, what you see. And I had mentioned it in the last uh, podcast is that it doesn't look like your picks are influenced by reputation coming in. They're not influenced by EYBL numbers. And I feel like you judge Cole Anthony and Tyrese Maxey based off of the seasons that they had.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what I have to go off is how are they playing Mm -hmm. right now heading into Mm -hmm. the league? So that's, and then uh, I know that's something I talked about with Michael because When they did that group thing on rookiewire.com back in August, Cole Anthony was number one. And Cole Anthony, to me, back when he was in high school, coming out of high school, looked like a number one, or at at least a very high candidate. And it just hasn't lived out to it. And yes, he was injured, but yes, his team was bad. But the optics tell me that there's still a lot to work on in this game, and I don't think it's going to be fixed entirely. I said as a second playmaker and a guy who can get you buckets, I think that could possibly work. I'm not sure he's going to be the efficient great playmaking guard that you want out of your point guard, but as a first option. So I don't see his career panning out in that fashion, but in the right team, in the right scenario, he could flourish as long as the emphasis and the onus is not squarely upon him to have to do everything.
1: Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I feel like, Coming into the year, we knew the areas that we wanted to see him address, and we knew the question marks. It seems like he – well, I shouldn't say it seems he just did not answer those question marks. Yeah. And so I could see why he falls. I think he's a guy that – I don't think he falls as far as where you have him because I think some teams are still going to go based off of his reputation. And then I I think – the fact that he didn't have a lot of help at North Carolina this year, because I, I, you know, I had mentioned before that I was low on him, and then when I watched this film again, I realized some of it was not his fault. As far as like him only shooting 39% at the rounds' because he was in a congested, super crowded lane because North Carolina didn't have any shooting. So I think some teams may consider that and and drafting him and, and figure that he'll be a much better finisher with um with NBA spacing. Then as far as Tyrese Maxey, he's a guy that he's the opposite of of, of Ramsey. He came into college basketball with a reputation as a shooter. He only shot 29% from three, but his free throw percentage was like 83 or 84. And he's he's a tough guy to um to project because and I personally feel that If he's not a point guard, then he's not going to have like a really successful NBA career or or maximize his potential. I think he has to play point guard.
0: See, I disagree with you on that. I don't think he is going to be a great – I mean, you could put him in spots there, but I don't think he can be relied upon that. I think he's going to be a defensive specialist and someone – like you said, it all depends to me on the outside shot. I'm not – entirely convinced either that that shot is going to be there
1: and see it's uh and that's why he's he's tough because he has touch like if you watch his finishes around the rim you know these high off the glass soft touch floaters he's a very good free throw shooter it makes you think like okay well the shooting can be fixed I think he has a low release and he's going to have to be able to shoot it far but I, I don't think that if he's a two at six two, and I, I I mean I really think that he's gonna measure out of like six one and three four. So I I don't see him as being six three. He's small for a two, so I think he's gonna have to play the point guard position. And if he can't develop those skills then then um it's gonna be tough for him to, to live up to the potential or I mean, based off of where you have him going in the draft <laughs> If he doesn't, then he'll be fine. But if he's a lottery pick and doesn't really develop those point guard skills, then um, it's, there's a, a GM is going to lose their job.
0: You see, I, from what I'm trying to understand, you, I see, and I'm thinking, because I have a number 20 right now. Mm-hmm. I think you're seeing him being picked a little bit higher than that.
1: Yeah, I had him in New Orleans, I believe. So I had him at the end of the lottery. And even then, just looking at that, the the pick where I had him at, it, it just depends on what New Orleans does with J.J. Or, or how they feel about Frank Jackson. They also got Nikhil um, Alexander-Walker. So they may not even look at a guard. So I could actually see him really sliding down because I think one or two, maybe even three of these point guards that we had, very high coming into the season. I feel like maybe two of them may slide down to the twenties.
0: There you go. That's some great thoughts right there. And over the course of time, we're still going to go back and forth on each other's mock picks. Again, if you get a chance, please check out NBA draft junkies today for Raphael's not one, but two videos on his mock draft because it's so good. It needs two videos or two podcasts that are now available at NBA Draft Junkies, available wherever you can get your podcasts. You can also check out his great site, nbadraftjunkies.com, or you can check out my mock draft currently on popculturecosmos.com and also the Lakers Fast Break channel. Well, my friend, I appreciate you being a little bit gentle on me as far as my mock draft is concerned. I'm sure we're, we're going to go over it in detail in future episodes as well. I mean, over the coming months, as you know, there's always tweaks and risers and fallers in the draft even in a time like this where you don't exactly have a combine possibly no combine or workouts to work off of or the scuttlebutt that you hear on the NBA so it's going to be interesting to see how that happens over the course of time especially when the draft is not until October but there's still plenty of time for us to go ahead and speculate on where these kids will go but I want to hear your thoughts before we end on out on what you're working on at NBA Draft Junkies.
1: Same old, same old. You know, I have so much time between now and the draft. Um, I think at this point, normally we would know the lottery and we would, you know, just know what teams are picking. Right now we're still in the same position as if it's April. So, I, uh, like I said before, I'm just adding different content um, to the site, just adding more stuff to the player profiles and the videos. I think the next video that I'll, I'll do is Sadiq Bay. He's the guy that I... He's been um, talked
0: about in the past couple of days.
1: Yeah, I could see him. Um, I could see him anywhere from late lottery to... I don't see him going past Dallas. And it, just a modern-day wing, big wing that can handle the ball and shoot and defend that, that teams are looking for. So that'll probably be the next video that I'll put out. And then um, I'm, I'm working on it now, and I think that I'll do a team needs videos based off of the 2020 draft so i think i'll start off with the atlantic division and i try to play my role as the general manager of each team and try to fill their team need with the based off of where they're picking on the draft
0: fair enough my friend and once again you can check out everything on that at nba draft junkies on youtube please subscribe Like his videos, it really helps out and gets him into that stratosphere of where he deserves to be right there when you're typing in any prospect and NBA Draft because his work is outstanding, and I hope you get a chance to check it out at NBA Draft Junkies. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you once again, and if you have any questions out there, always you can check us out on Twitter at NBA Draft Junkies or at barlow Five Hundred. For Raphael and for us, it's at Lakers Fast Break. You can always send us a message on a particular prospect or your thoughts on the on the rest of the season. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We're always active on social media. But, my friend, it's going to be hopefully uh, you know very soon that we're going to be seeing these NBA teams start to shape up and you know get towards that start of the regular season, whatever's left of it. Any last thoughts on the way out?
1: I'm just looking forward to. This season starting. I know we still have a little ways to go. And just, you know, how this whole situation is handled as far as like the bubble and and everything that's going to come along with, I mean, these guys being, I mean, trapped is probably not the best word to use, but everyone being in the same environment and like the crowd, or is it going to look like an AU game? Are the Lakers players going to be in the crowd? At the clip, I don't know, I'm just really curious and looking forward to see how this all plays out from a fan aspect of just being able to watch basketball again, but just seeing how different and unique the situation is going to be.
0: Well, I'll tell you, my friend, I said it to Laker Tom, but I'll say it to you now. I would pay extra money to hear the Smack talk, not only from on the court, but also from the crowd, quote unquote, of other NBA players. And to hear that smack talk i would pay extra on the nba league pass just for that channel
1: you know what i thought about that too but then i also thought about well everybody is in close proximity to each other so you got to hope the smack talk stays on the court because you know the guy who you may have been talking trash to or you gave the hard flagrant foul because he said something to you he might be staying down the hall from you so I'm curious. I mean, that's a lot of things I'm curious about, but I'm very interested to see how how much of an impact that has on on everything that's going on.
0: Well, I would also ask that that channel be able, to, at night, to have the security cam footage of the hallways, the Coronado Springs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they should mic the players up. and I, It should be like the last dance where you had one channel that had the unedited version, even though it was still pretty much edited. But I would love to... You know, maybe even if it is like pay-per-view, where you can pay, I don't know, whatever amount, just to hear the totally unedited, mic'd-up, i mean, I think that would be cool.
0: That would make up for a lot of lost dollars, and I know a lot of fans would appreciate that.
1: Yeah. The
0: national. Yeah, Draymond,
1: B- Draymond, yes. and Patrick Beverly mic'd up. Yes. Well, I mean, I wouldn't want to pay to see to hear Kawhi mic'd up at all. So. <laughs>
0: Russell <laughs> Westbrook, however. however. Yeah. Russell Westbrook would be a different story. Yeah, James Harden, too.
1: He doesn't seem like he says much, but then his beard covers his mouth that you can't even see if he's talking or not.
0: I think he says a lot more than think. <laughs> the National Bubble Association, my friend. Can't wait to it, see it. Sounds good. Well, again, my friend, it's just great having you on again. Check out Raphael Barlow today at NBA Draft Junkies. Always a pleasure to have you on right here, Raphael at the Lakers Fastbreak Podcast.